And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Hang on a minute. Who put you in charge? And who the hell are you anyway? I'm the Doctor. I'm a Time Lord. I'm from the planet Gallifrey in the constellation of Castelbarus. I'm 903 years old and I'm the man who's going to save your lives and all six billion people on the planet below. You got a problem with that? No. In that case... Hello, Z! Would you like a jelly baby? And welcome to a very special episode of Who True Freaks, the Two True Freaks podcast about Doctor Who. And this time out, we've got something incredibly special. We're talking about something that's been 50 years in the making. Yes, the 50th anniversary of Doctor Who. And to talk about the episode, the Day of the Doctor, and some of the ancillary things going on with Doctor Who, I've assembled the justice league of podcasters known as the who true freaks starting off uh looking at my skype window i'll go ahead and start with the irredeemable one shag hey shag how's it going very good very excited to be here to talk about this anniversary awesome uh next up on the skype call list we've got the hair metal hero himself christopher tyler hey chris hey sean if anybody you know ever told you i don't like being picked up <laughs> okay. It probably sounded better in your head, didn't it? Yeah, it most certainly did. Okay. Uh, following on and uh, after that, we've got Mr. Andrew Leyland from the UK. Hey, Andy. Hey, everybody. Glad to have you on. Uh, the voice of Two True Freaks and host of Back to the Bins, uh, Mr. Bill Robinson. Dr. Hey. Bill Robinson. Hey, hello. Good morning. Oh, and Shag, my scarf is bigger than yours. Oh! Ooh, wow. Saucy. <laughs> wow, uh penis waving on the show nice um and finally wrapping it up we've got again from the uk mr dave walker hey dave how's it going not too bad reports of my death have been greatly greatly exaggerated but i am here awesome (laughs) and 
like I said, we're going to talk a little bit about the 50th anniversary. This is perhaps the the biggest thing to happen to Doctor Who in, well, 50 years. Uh, I think it was actually like the biggest global simulcast ever. Did is that is that been confirmed like Guinness or whatever? For, for a drama. I, for a drama. OK. Ah. But yeah, this thing was huge. So what we're going to do to start out is we're going to go around. Uh, we're going to go around the uh, recording and let people give like three to five minutes of their opinions on the show. So we'll just go ahead and start off with first one in my Skype window. Shag, hit it up. Eh, it sucked. <laughs> and Shag has now been booted from the call. Thank you all very much for listening. Now, um, I was really apprehensive going into it. I wasn't sure what to expect. I wasn't sure if I was going to enjoy it at all. Um, you know, I've, I've seen enough anniversary things over the years where you expect something and you, it's a bit of a letdown or you're like, eh, that wasn't bad. They did an okay job. Um, and after seeing Night of the Doctor, which we'll talk a little bit more about, I was like, you know what? Even if the special sucks, Night of the Doctor made it the whole anniversary worth it for me. And so I went to I went to go watch it on Saturday, and the show far exceeded my expectations. I couldn't believe that after loving a show for 30 years, I could fall in love with it all over again. Um, wonderful show. It made me cry at the right moments. It made me cheer at the right moments. It made me scream like a little girl twice. Um, gee, it was really, really spectacular. When I saw it on the big screen, I realized that this isn't just a great special. This made a very good movie. It was very, very theatrical, very much a film, not just an episode. And um, mm, I absolutely love I've seen it three times now. And every time, just I'm blown away at how strong of a story it is, how well it comes across, and how it celebrates the show perfectly. Awesome. Uh, coming up next, go ahead, uh, Hair Metal Hero, Chris, go ahead and give us your opinion of it. Uh, I just thought it was a ton of fun. Um, I enjoyed every second of it. Um, and it did really feel like a culmination of everything that they've done since 2005. Um, I really don't know what else to say about it. I just, I sat down and, you know, for 75 minutes, however long it was, I was just thoroughly entertained. Um, I really can't find any nits to pick. I, I, there were moments where I was fist pumping the air and letting off little, little curses, um, you know, cause sometimes I swear when I watch geeky stuff and, uh, <laughs> and how cute was that girl Osgood with the scarf? Oh my God. That's that was, all I can say. That was a nice little, little Easter egg in there with her scarf. That was really cute. But if that's it, we'll go ahead and move to our next person here. Andy Leyland, go ahead and give us your opinion. Um, I was genuinely excited about it and have been for quite a while, but I didn't get overly much because the day we were at Thought Bubble, the convention in Leeds where I met Dave for the first time. Hello, Dave. And um, it was that kind of took your mind off it. And I think Michael and I may have broke some speed limits, making (laughs) sure we got home on time, but we got home in plenty of time and the entire family sat down to watch it. And it did not seem like 70-odd minutes. I think it was 75 minutes, wasn't it, in total? Mm -hmm. It didn't seem that long. It just blitzed right through. It was hugely entertaining from start to finish. I presume we could sit and pick holes in it if we chose to, but that's not really the point. And the squee moment for me was the ending. The the magnificent bit at the end Mm -hmm. where my doctor showed up, and it was just absolutely fantastic. I loved every minute of it. 
I can't wait to watch it again. But I'm going through all of Matt Smith's at the minute, so I'll watch it when I get there. But I thought it was great. I didn't have a problem with it at all. Awesome. Uh, Bill Robinson, go ahead and give us your opinion of the show. I loved it. It was... um... I, I know I sound like I'm gushing, but but I loved it for another reason. Just uh, other than my fandom was that all my kids watched it as well, and out of that, my youngest daughter Sarah she started watching on Netflix all of the episodes that were available, and so and right now she's up to silence it in the library. Wow! <laughs> Nightmares much? <laughs> well, what what was really good was last night. As as I came in, they were watching it on on the Wii, and Blink was on. So I stopped. I said, "Okay, <laughs> God, get out of the year award, man." <laughs> the whole family, my my wife, all the kids, and I, we all sat down. I'm like, "Oh, we gotta watch this." I, you know, I I I walked right in from coming in from uh, fr- from from some shopping, and I was like, "Oh yes, this is awesome." So I just sat there and I watched them all. Oh, it was it, it was amazing. But getting back getting back to the special now, um, I'm I'm with Andy. At, uh, when at the end, I literally rose up and had to walk towards the TV because my doctor as well was there, and it it, it was amazing to see. I know we're getting a little ahead with talking. We're supposed to do the 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 Easter eggs later, but but for me that was just it it, it was amazing. The whole special was great. The build ups were good. I really loved the. Um, the adventures in time and space it, it yes. gave a little backstory that i knew didn't know a, a, as much about and i'm sure we'll talk a little bit about that too but but yeah so just i've seen it about two or three times um since it's been on first time watched it all the way through the second and third time i haven't been able to catch the whole thing and i keep missing certain parts and the part i keep missing is where is uh the big appearance at the end of everyone and i really want to see that again so that's all i have to say at the moment on it great dave uh go ahead and uh, give us your opinion now yeah i had no clue what to expect from this going in i made sure of that i didn't want to see anything about it i saw one or two trailers but i did watch night of the doctor and that's what properly started getting me excited for the thing because if that's the kind of thing they were going with uh i think by 12, 13 times more of that would be awesome as well. So I thought it was fantastic. Um, uh, and now I can't think of anything to say. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, I've, I've watched it about eight times so far, thanks to the <laughs> iPlayer. I, I just enjoy watching it. It's... Uh, I, I like that there are um, things that they weren't focusing on. They were focusing more on the three doctors themselves throughout the entire thing. And the, it was extremely well written. And uh, yeah, I probably best to move on because I everyone else has said pretty much anything I could think of. Um, my doctor did show up, but it wasn't the one at the end. <laughs> just say that nice um i would like to say that we also got and she couldn't be on the show because she's working retail and uh it's 
Black Friday or it's Black Weekend as we record this. So she's been really busy. But Hope Mullinax, the Who True Freak female, the sadly the only female well, <laughs> that we know, not of. the only the only female that we know. Yeah, that's right. Uh, gave us a little recording and we're going to drop it in right here. Hey, you guys. Happy 50th anniversary. I'm so sorry that I couldn't be with you guys. Um, if you can tell, I'm losing my voice from working Black Friday, and it's just been really crazy. So I'm really sorry I couldn't be with you guys this time around. I wanted to throw out a few thoughts and also ask you guys a few questions about a few things that you might consider up for me. So I love the 50th. It's my first like big special, so I've been super excited for it. And I've been waiting for it, and I was so sad I was out of town, and I didn't get to see it in simulcast or anything, but I saw it on my TV, and it was great. Um, it was great seeing Tenet again. I, I knew I missed Tenet, but I just didn't realize how much I missed Tenet until I was just, until he was, like, lecturing a bunny, and I was just like, oh, oh, I missed him so much. And I thought he paired well with Smith. Um, one of my things about the two of them, and it's, it's kind of a beef of mine with Smith's doctor, is they don't usually, it's supposed to be the same man, but different faces. And Tennant's Doctor, he used a lot of the pop culture references, but then you see episodes like The Lodger, where Smith's Doctor doesn't get pop culture references, which always bothered me, because he's supposed to still have those those memories. So it was nice to see in the 50th, uh, them doing all the mirror moves, and like copying each other, and like really pairing off with each other well. So I, I really enjoyed that. Um, Something I want you guys to help clear up for me. I've been having a debate with a friend of mine for a few days now, and I want you guys to settle it. Did John Hurt's doctor throw off the regeneration count? My friend says that it did, and Hurt is now the new ninth doctor. I disagree, and I just say it's another face of the eighth doctor. So what do you guys think? Um, I was surprised they used Rose in more of that bad wolf like formula, because I know she was like the moment but I was surprised that they used her in that way. Though I actually really enjoyed it because I didn't want to see her like being all googly-eyed and romantic over Tenet the entire time. But that being said, there was a moment I wish Tenet got to see her at least once and like acknowledge that she was there. And we kind of got that. Like like when Hurt's doctor said the bad wolf, like he totally got it. But I, I still wish there was a moment where they get to see each other. Um, speaking of Hurt's doctor, I thought he was so cute. I, I don't, I, I know, that's a girly thing to say, but I, I don't know what it is exactly what I like about him. I, I think I like that he has an older face and he's an older actor, but he's technically younger than the other two doctors, and he's looking at his older self. Like, there's just something about the timey-wimeyness I, I really enjoyed, and I don't know what it exactly is about John Hurt's doctor that I enjoyed. But I absolutely loved it, and I wish I could be more specific, sorry. Um, I love the prequels. What did you guys love uh, about them? Um, I didn't get to see the one with the Gallifrey soldier. I heard about it, but I didn't get to see it. But I love seeing my eighth Doctor baby one more time. Oh, oh, again, I love you so much. Gosh, I love you so much. And I really miss seeing him, and it was... I squealed in that prequel, and I cried at his regeneration, and I cried several more, more times every time I watched it. So I, I'm really excited about that. Um, what are your thoughts about them searching and possibly bringing back Gallifrey? I, I do like that, because I know in the old show, like they were constantly on Gallifrey for certain doctors, and certain doctors would like go and visit and like, you know, backtalk Gallifrey and like blah, blah, blah. 
But I don't, as a new Whovian, I, I don't have this background with, with the planet. And so it'd be nice to kind of explore that and see that again and, and bring back that kind of new, that old Who feel to, to see how he interacts with his people. Um, I wasn't a big fan of the monster. I, I, I understand like the Zygon is a call, a call back to an older monster. I actually had to do a little research on it. And that's great, but I didn't, and I'm all for them like using old monsters and bringing them back. Though I, I wasn't a big fan of it for the 50th. I kind of thought they might use something a little bit more classic, like the Daleks. So we got to see the Daleks or, or, or the Cybermen. Um, it just felt a little... Not, it didn't feel like the right choice of monster. That being said, the scenes where the uh, where the doctors hurt their memory, hurt their memories, uh, erase kind of block their memories, so they don't know which one's Zygon and which one is human. Those were fantastic scenes, especially the one with the the science girl with a scarf, like sharing her inhaler with her other self. Like those are really, really beautiful, nice scenes, and I did enjoy that side of it. Um, I think that's everything on my point of view. I, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, if I think of anything, I'll send Sean a couple points. But have a great talk, guys. I'm so sorry I, wouldn't be, I can't be there again. Uh, like I said, I'm losing my voice. And, yeah. All right, guys. Bye. Enjoy your talk. I can't wait to hear it. Bye. And I thought that was some really interesting stuff. Thanks for uh, yeah. dropping that off, Hope. Oh, yeah. uh, that was really uh, entertaining. And, yeah, we didn't listen to it all, did we? I, I'm contractually I obligated to say she's wrong, even okay. though she's even though she's not. Um, I have to say, it. well, well uh, she'd she be, had... she she'd be contractually obligated to say fuck you, Shag. So, <laughs> sorry, but John Hurt's doctor was cute, just a little bit in an old grandpa kind of way. But she had a question that she wanted us to talk about, and we'll get to that later. But uh, and now, even though he couldn't be here for the record, I'm wondering if Stephen Lacey might give a little feedback for the show. You know, I really think I might. Sorry about this, stuck in the sodding time vortex again. Steve here with a brief review of the Doctor Who 50th anniversary, and obviously a very poor Tom Baker impersonation. First up, The Surprise, The Night of the Doctor. A completely astonishing seven minutes of television, and possibly the highlight of the anniversary. I personally couldn't stop shaking with excitement after hearing McGann's voice. I'm the Doctor, but probably not the one you were expecting. The best line ever. And seeing him again on screen, it was fantastic. Uh, I don't think we could have had a better present with this anniversary, not least of which because of the sheer surprise of having the Eighth Doctor's journey come to a conclusion. And the fact that it wasn't spoiled. Okay, the BBC put it out a couple of days early because someone was threatening to spoil it. But it meant that as fans, we had a complete surprise. Next up for me was The Final Day, which was a strange first-person vignette that felt like a cutscene from Wing Commander or Command and Conquer. This didn't work for me, mainly because it was, like so many minisodes, completely inconsequential. Do you remember the red button interactive adventure, Attack of the Grask? No? Well, that will be the fate of this minisode as well. Then it was Adventure in Space and Time, the fictionalised account of the creation of Doctor Who and the effect the show had on William Hartnell. Superbly well acted and directed, I do stand by my initial response, which was that this drama never really set out why it was important that this drama existed. The reconstructions of classic Who episodes were brilliant. I just love the bit where you see one of the Monoptera just walking in the background of a shot. David Bradley was utterly amazing, and for me, the highlight of his performance was him messing around with the children in the park. Not in that way, just the sheer delight of him enjoying the role. 
but the self-referential nature of the drama at its emotional peaks and the two moments for me were Hartnell crying I don't want to go shortly after being fired and the cameo by Matt Smith at the conclusion they took me out of the piece rather unexpectedly on its broadcast it was followed by a 10 minute feature which consisted of a series of interviews with people like uh, William Hartnell's co-actors from the time uh, people who've written and directed him people involved with Adventure in Space and Time itself, and William Hartnell in a very rare and unseen interview with him not long after he left the role of the Doctor. It was utterly wonderful and a completely unexpected and great tribute to him. But of course the anniversary was all about the Day of the Doctor. The multi-Doctor team of episodes are brilliantly teased by the words introducing John Hurt as the Doctor way back in May of this year. There was a danger that Moffat's particular brand of complex plotting could have resulted in an incomprehensible mess, much like we had in Series 6. But this was the Moffat who tied time in knots with Blink and the Girl in the Fireplace, enjoying the act of writing for three and a bit Doctors, whilst doing something that we never expected, returning to Russell T. Davis's Time War, showing us a full-on Dalek invasion, what the Doctor did, and then doing all of that without undoing a single moment of the prior seven series. The episode was an utter joy, brilliantly crafted and incredibly fun to watch. You might have expected John Hurt's Doctor to be full of angst and guilt, but the delight of seeing him bitch about his future incarnations, it'll help to pass the timey-wimey being a particular favourite line of mine, and the wonderful chemistry between all three Doctors raised this episode above almost all of modern Doctor Who. The Zygons were just great to see back in action, and I do hope that Peter Capaldi's Doctor finds himself picking up the dropped plotline here. And talking of Capaldi, have a pair of eyes ever been so welcome? Of course Moffat was going to give us a hint of Doctors yet to come, and did so with complete and utter restraint, refusing to let his next Doctor overshadow this episode. And if we had plenty of Doctors present and a hint of yet to come, the closing of this episode, bafflingly brilliant and mad as it was, it was the ultimate reference to Doctors past, as Tom Baker's curator turns up to cause us to all grin like utter idiots and help refocus Doctor Who for its next half century. But it wasn't over with the conclusion of this episode, or with the end of the frankly awful BBC3 after party. For several weeks, Doctors 5 to 8 had been urging people to follow the Twitter account at Day of the Fish Doctor, which turned out to be a promotional tool for the final secret weapon of the anniversary as the Five-ish Doctors reboot allowed all the other Doctors to share in the glory. A delightfully funny and poignant romp through Doctor Who and what it means pretty much everyone involved with the show and fans, and packed with more celebrity cameos than the Russell T Davis montage showing how affected popular culture is by aliens, this was completely brilliant. My favourite jokes include Colin Baker inflicting the Vengeance of Varus special edition DVD on his family, the joke with the music, and the revelation of John Barrowman's secret life. Baker too may have a stick up his ass about not being in the anniversary special, but he should be proud of his contributions to this film. Peter Davison comes forward as a very unlikely but very effective writer and director. And for me, underneath those sheets, it's Baker, McCoy and Davison. Anyway, that's enough from me. Back to the usual gang of idiots. Well, Stephen, thank you for recording that. There was some great, great commentary there. I'm sorry we couldn't have you in the show, but I am glad that we were able to get you to record something for the episode. We really appreciate it. And I guess now, back to the uh, regular recording. I might as well go ahead with my thoughts on the show, if everyone's okay. I thought that this was perhaps, in a year where we've had a bunch of comic book or sci-fi or basically geek related shows that have been very divisive and I'm looking at new Man of Steel and Star Trek Into Darkness <laughs> that we finally got a show that I think everyone can agree on has just been superb it, it, it was exactly what an anniversary special should have done it celebrated the past it let you look towards the future it was a brilliant story and I think the thing that did it most for me was it wrapped up 
in in a nice concise way the one thing that has been disturbing the doctor throughout this entire new series run it it wrapped up the idea of the time war and it changed the history but it did didn't it change it yes it did change it because the, the I don't the think it, oh, we'll get to that later uh, yeah, yeah because it it did change it but it didn't because even though the doctor the the doctor knows that Gallifrey is out there it didn't change him knowing because it you know came back with the time stream and everything so i love that stephen moffat i think and i got this from professor allen he wanted to mention this as well and i agree with the sentiment stephen moffat is a better writer of episodes than he is a showrunner of the show because every episode stephen moffat writes is golden and this is no exception. And yes, the cameo at the end, I was sitting there. I, I kept away from any spoilers. I had not read anything about it. I, I'd been completely oblivious to what was going on. And when I saw that cameo, I literally squealed like a girl. I was sitting there just <laughs> jittery, just going, yes, yes, yes. So the fact that a sci-fi geek property in this era where we get so disappointed at, you know, Zachary Quinto yelling Khan and Superman, you know, breaking Zod's neck. Spoilers. That, oh, shut up. <laughs> Spoilers on every show <laughs> that that we can get this and it be so wonderful and so enjoyable and so reverent to the Doctor Who mythos. It just was perfect. So, and if anyone has any other opinions, get the hell off the call. <laughs> to hell with you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I, I just want to follow up by saying uh, what Professor Allen said about Moffat being a great, better writer than he is showrunner was probably the most insightful thing I've heard all week. It was just like a bell went off, like, oh, yeah, that's what I've been trying to say, you know, and couldn't, couldn't, or I couldn't, not even say, but couldn't put my finger on it. There's something I haven't been able to figure out about Moffat's run, and that's it right there yeah and i will attribute that to professor allen yeah that wasn't well, well done he, he he came up with that and yes i agree uh, whenever he writes a show it's brilliant when he's running the series it's not bad but it's not as good as when he's there writing it so yeah uh but uh with uh general thoughts over the way let's go ahead and look at some of the stuff that actually came up before this there was a big lead up to the 50th anniversary as you would expect and it started off i think incredibly well with night of the doctor uh anyone want to go ahead and talk a little about that uh yeah i'll go first if you don't mind uh i had no intention of watching this i had avoided everything about the show i hadn't even watched the tv trailers which was bloody hard work given how much it was trailed over here and all i saw was a post from shag and i can't remember if it was on two true freaks or or if he sent it directly to me i can't remember but all it said was you need to watch this and i thought right he wouldn't say that if it was a spoilery thing so all right go on and i i got this as i was leaving work and i saw this message from sag as i was walking home from work 
and I put my headphones into my phone and I'm watching it walking home from work and slowly because I wasn't expecting anything from it I thought it was going to be some five minute puff piece promo behind the scenes thing about how lovely David Tennant and Matt Smith got on and blah 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 and slowly my footsteps just start slowing down (laughs) to the point where I'm stood outside the park that I have to walk and I'm just stood there watching this thing and not actually moving and halfway through Angela phoned me on the phone I had to pause it and speak to her and then go back to it and it was just it was magnificent because it was so completely unexpected that we were getting that that we were going to see Paul McGann one more time and we would see the regeneration and the whole thing was so well done for a little nine minute direct to the internet thing it looked like the ad actually spent a decent amount of money on it and McGann was brilliant because he can age as much as he wants because we never saw the regeneration so it doesn't matter how old much older he looks for I didn't think he looked any older mm-hmm. I thought he looked absolutely fantastic and it was it was just great it was just a wonderful kickoff to the 50th and my thinking was right if they're releasing this as a freebie teaser essentially then the actual episode must be pretty damn good Mm-hmm. Oh yes. Um, yeah, I, I caught it. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Dave. Now I was just gonna say um, I got Shag's message just at the last kind of five ten minutes of my lunch break, so I just managed to get it in there. I was just sitting at my desk uh, watching it, and it was just fantastic. Um, like like you said, I didn't expect to see Palm again again kind of properly in the show because obviously they'd said, oh, he's not going to be in the fiftieth anniversary special. But having this uh, just made everything better. And, yeah, because there was that yeah. interesting thing, wasn't there, that he could, he didn't have to lie, did he? Because no. they kept asking him, are you in the 50th? And he could quite honestly say, nope, nope, I'm not in the 50th. So I thought that was or, genius. Or he could say, I have not recorded anything for the 50th anniversary special. Because mm, he that's... does technically show up in it. Yeah, but te- they all technically show up in it. <laughs> but yeah, that's how they get off on it. They get off on the technicality of it. Yeah. yeah I don't I, think Paul. I don't think Paul would have mind even saying, "Well, I lied to surprise you." I don't think Paul would yeah. mind even if he had to say that. I've watched a few interviews with him, and he's he's like, "Yeah, I'm great at keeping secrets. It's not a problem." <laughs> yeah. Well, I I don't mind that. You do get an awful lot of fans who get bent out shape that they've lied to you to to save um, a big reveal in the show, and I don't, I think that's right. I think they should do that. I prefer that over them telling us pretty much everything in yeah. various trailers and whatever else happens, you know, between now and whenever it comes out. Yeah, Moffat yeah. said uh, in an interview that the way they released this was simply because they, they've been planning to do it. They hadn't decided on a date, but then some a picture hit the internet, like in a geek site, and he got pissed off. And he said, fine, we're doing it today. He didn't give anybody any notice, didn't give anybody any warning. BBC didn't even know it was coming. He said, you're putting this up today. And that's why I caught everyone by surprise. I'm glad I watched it. Sorry. No, go on, Dev. No, I was just going to say, do you reckon it was Paul McGann that did it? Because it was his birthday, so it got released. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad I saw it before I knew what it was. Oh, yeah. Because that element of surprise to it was what made it brilliant. If Shag had posted, you need to watch this, Paul McGann's in it, I may have had to hit him. (laughs) <laughs> just by saying you need yeah. to watch this he got me to watch it without actually giving away why i needed to watch it so that was magnificently done well done sir 
Well, thank you. I mean, that's why I did. I watched it. Um, I guess I'll tell my story real quick. I I got a message from somebody that said, "Hey, Shag, isn't this good?" So I'm like, "All right, whatever this is." And it was, you know, I, so I clicked it, and I was I work from home. I was in the, my kitchen, and I had a glass of water in my hand, an actual physical glass, not plastic. And I came damn near close to dropping it the minute I heard Paul McGann's voice just go, you know, I'm a doctor, but not the one you expected, because I know his voice so well from the big finishes. I literally almost dropped the glass. I had to catch it. And I lost my mind. I had to stop. I was freaking out. I went back and watched, you know, I finished watching it. And then, like a girl, I was, like, skipping around the house. Just like, oh, my God! (laughs) Because I'm a huge Paul McGann fan. I mean, I don't know if you know, but uh, listeners, but Stephen and I uh, recorded an episode about specifically the wilderness years of Paul McGann. I mean, I followed his adventures for almost 10 years as the doctor. I'm a huge fan. Well, so I lost my mind. Went around, and as Andrew said, I, I think I communicated to everyone who true freaks like seven different ways, and I wanted to get it to you guys before you read the news stories that said Paul was back because within an hour, every friggin' news site had Paul McGann returns to Doctor Who, so I wanted to get it out to you guys as quick as you could so you could catch that same sort of surprise that the rest of us did, and I'm glad it worked. Sorry that for all the communication, but uh, I felt it was no, no, that, no, 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 that, no, that was excellent. It gave me something to do when I go home from work. I probably wouldn't have paid any attention to it otherwise. Yeah. And, uh, at, at that point, that's when I decided that that had made the 50th anniversary for me. And if the special had sucked at that point, I was like, I don't care. My 50th anniversary <laughs> has happened with this little Night of the Doctor. Yeah, the great thing about that was that it did it did basically put into canon a bunch of the things that were talked about in the Pig Finish audios and the comics and all the stuff that you covered on the Wilderness Years because at the end of it, he basically calls out all his companions from well, the, that he The Big Finish. With. It was yeah. the Big Finish, but not the books or the comics, but Big Finish, yeah. yeah. okay, yeah. Um, well, plus they... Uh, sorry, ahead. Sean. No, go ahead. Well, plus, uh, plus they pulled out the nugget of the Sisterhood of Karn from... from yeah. uh, I, I That was... I, I mean, I like... I like Paul as the doctor, but to see that, I'm like, wow, this is really digging deep. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> now, I'd like to, you know, because Hope posed a question in her little uh, tidbit that we all listen to, right? Wink. Um, that uh, she wanted to know uh, what the, you know, with uh, the War Doctor coming in and began regenerating into the War Doctor, does this throw off the regeneration timeline? Or does it have something to do with the sisterhood? Does that kind of make it uh, out of whack? And also kind of explain the sisterhood, because unfortunately it's been so long since I've watched, uh, what, Brain of Morbius? Is that the one? Mm-hmm. Yes. So uh, I, 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 I have completely forgotten what's up with the uh, sisterhood. Well, weren't they like a offshoot? Um, I don't really want to say an offshoot. They could, uh, they had the elixir of life that was generated by the flame, I think, on the planet, Shag. Does that sound about right? It's been about 10 years since I've watched it, but yeah, I, th- I think that is correct. Yeah, and, and they could rejuvenate themselves through the means of the elixir. So I don't know if this kind of skirts around the whole regeneration, although they did say that this will trigger your regeneration, and the reason you didn't regenerate is because you were you, you basically were dead dead, instead of just dead. And, and <laughs> <laughs> Mostly dead. Mostly dead. <laughs> so, but this new aspect of they could generate different they made different elixirs to you know he could choose and also it, it kind of brought in the whole i guess maybe it ties in 
in the Ramana, uh, remember when Ramana did all the different regenerations and she, she kept coming out and saying, oh, what do you think of this one? Well, what do you think of that one? Because I guess the doctor all this time, every time he regenerates, is because he's going to die and he cannot choose. I mean, does anybody else know any other canon about that or any of the things in, in Big Finish that has mentioned that? I mean, a lot of people have kind of like scratched their head at that Romana regeneration fashion show. Um, everyone just kind of writes it off as it was for a fun gaffe on on TV more than anything else. But uh, there's been a million different things about regeneration being controllable, not controllable, in, in various you know non-canon stuff. I've never seen anything in the show though imply that he'll change Christmas it. What special? Um, just the cutting off of the hand that oh, he was yeah. able to regrow it. It's oh, not yeah. exactly the same, but it's kind of similar where he was able to choose to regrow it well plus they gave trotton the uh the option to choose when he was going to regenerate although oh, they yeah. were forced they were forcing him to regenerate but That's right they're like choose which one you want to you know which you want to do and forgot th- about that i i remember thomas saying something about that the and this was even mentioned in the five doctors that the uh gallifreyans the time lord council were willing to give the master a new set of regeneration cycles. So it may be just one of these things where it's granted and regeneration isn't really, you know, a uh, a biological thing that they can only do it 12 times and then they're completely dead. Maybe it's something that they allow them to do or something like that. But yeah, I don't know whether this negates the fact that Eccleston would be considered the ninth doctor or what. So I don't know if we can really answer your question. I think what what's happened is that is uh, that's his eighth regeneration happening there. That's him turning into John Hurt. But the fact that he's called the War Doctor keeps the numbering because he's not the Doctor. He's the War Doctor, so that separates him out from the others. That's why Matt Smith is still the eleventh, but he may also consider himself the twelfth now that he's reconciled the whole uh, other other Doctor being the Doctor mm-hmm. as well. Uh, yeah. I, I think it's bullshit. Sorry, it's a regeneration. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I'm It saying. counts. So, yeah, yeah it, there is no yeah. technically Eccleston is now the 10th Doctor. Okay. I, no, I'm it's not going to... It's the one that's called the Doctor. That, um, it's still the same regenerations, but he's still the 9th Doctor and the 10th Doctor, but he's the um, incarnation of that person. It's the 10th incarnation, is what I was trying to say. Mm-hmm. John Hurt's an official regeneration. Yeah, right. I think that's yeah. And there's, I don't think there's any denying that. I think what they're going to do, though, from what I heard from Moffat, is that it's sort of what uh, Dave was just saying. Though they're, they're not going to change the way they refer to the doctors. And, no, because there's too much money at stake in merchandise. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> exactly right. That the the eleventh hour, you know, all that nonsense. The eleventh so Doctor Screwdriver. Exactly. Yeah, so they won't the change. But they, they'll just refer to John Hurts as the War Doctor. But yeah, you're absolutely right, Andrew. It's a, it's a legit regeneration, and it counts. And uh, the Doctor has you know is now on his twelfth body. So. Yes, for, for so, Peter Capaldi. Yes. <clears throat> Speaking of merchandising, just briefly, the I saw the Doctor's the other Doctor's screwdriver on eBay. I was just checking prices of it, and it was released earlier in the week, and. It sold for like sixty-five pounds, which would be about a hundred dollars. The Ooh. War Doctor Sonic Screwdriver. Yeah, it's for sale in God. stock in a shop online for twenty quid, about thirty dollars. So, why would people pay that much? Because people are idiots. <laughs> yeah, but it, shows that but it does show that there's a lot of money in the merchandising. Oh yeah, oh there, yeah. Oh, there absolutely yeah. is. Where the real money's met. 
Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, uh, if anyone, ha- if no one has anything else to uh, talk about the uh, Night of the Doctor, let's go ahead and go oh, to the next just, just favorite lines. Oh, what's that? Does, it, does anyone have a favorite line from it? Mm, sorry, this is uh, gonna mine hurt. personally. <laughs> oh yeah, that was nice. I, I'm sorry, I preferred. Um, we're, we're, why are we moving to the back of the ship? Because the front crashes first. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> it was really good. He, uh, I mean, the first line for me was it just because of the complete and utter shock of seeing Paul McGann back on TV and never or on, as the Doctor. Never thought I would see him as the Doctor again. And then uh, name checking the companions. Both of those were just. Uh, I think the internet term is squee moments mm-hmm. for me. <laughs> oh, definitely. Oh, one one quick thing before we get off regeneration. So now with uh, Peter Capaldi being who he is, does is that going to make him the Valyard? Like we talked about a few weeks ago? No, the Valyard took ago. place after the 13th and final regeneration. So the Valyard would in theory be some point after Peter Capaldi. But he couldn't Unless... Unless he gets another regeneration cycle after Peter Capaldi, so wouldn't that put the Valyard at the very end of his timeline whenever that happens? Yes, it would. And of course, he's going to get another regeneration cycle. I mean, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Or, well, or they're just, or they're not going to even address it because I mean, have they even addressed the 13 lives thing in the new series at all? I see. No, no but I, they keep but they keep name dropping the Valyard in the show. They have hmm. a couple times now. That's true. He, he would make a good foil, I'm sure. Um, I, I would be surprised if they don't bring back the 13 live thing and sort of make that a plot point of throughout Capaldi's run where he's sort of, I don't know, melancholy that this is his last life or something like that at the end. Or, <laughs> and, give, or, and give it how clumsy he is with his lifespans. <laughs> <laughs> well, pro- well, probably, I mean, just a speculation is that when he does find Gallifrey, oh, we're so happy, we're so thankful, yeah, unlimited regenerations, let the show go on forever. <laughs> Yeah, it's something like that, yeah. Regenerations for everyone on the house. So Oprah Winfrey's going to be on Gallifrey then. <laughs> it's under your chair. <laughs> Regenerations! Can you get a regeneration? <laughs> Andy and Dave are probably like, I don't get that. What? That's okay. <laughs> I brought it up. Uh, okay. <laughs> I just heard Oprah Winfrey and phased out. That's, That's what I usually do. Best thing to do. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to the next one. Now, I this one I really didn't care about so much. This was the other mini-sode that was basically the first-person shooter defense of Gallifrey. <laughs> <laughs> it was basically Doom on Gallifrey, where you know you saw the guy who was who had creepy Mr. Roboto mask, and I don't know. I guess it was a nice sort of tie-in to what we were going to be seeing in the 50th about the uh, the uh, Gallifrey stands. Uh, what happened there but other than that this really didn't didn't catch me as much as the uh, night of the doctor one did anyone have any opinions on that uh, I, I still haven't watched it sorry okay I, I think it was a trick just to throw you off to make you think oh my god is this what the the, the special is gonna be like you know it was, it was it was the exact opposite to night of the doctor mm-hmm. yeah i think that was kind of a that was kind of a fail on the part, you know, and it didn't really tie into either the 50th or the, or the night of the doctor at all. So yeah, that was kind of disappointing. Anyone really want to talk any more about that? Uh, I got two seconds to add on it. Um, it didn't grab me much. However, I imagine that one was intended to grab people that night of the doctor didn't interest. Cause I'm sure there's some segment of people that couldn't give two craps about another doctor. They're like, I don't know who this Paul McGann crap is. I don't know. I don't care about classic who, whatever, you know? And then, it, but that, this little thing showed action adventure the time war you know and so i think that might get the younger kids excited like ooh, fighting cool 
mm-hmm. sort of thing. So I, I think it, you know, if if that worked, that would have served its purpose. Okay, but then finally, and this is again another great thing that really wasn't tied into the fiftieth. It was kind of an offshoot, but it was like the thirty-minute episode, <laughs> the five-ish doctors. That was hilarious. <laughs> that was perhaps the funniest thing I've seen. It's essentially, if you don't know, it's Peter Davison, Sylvester McCoy, and Colin Baker trying their best to worm their way into any part in the filming of the 50th episode. And it is just so brilliantly played. It has so many wonderful cameos from uh, people from Doctor Who. It's got Peter Jackson and uh, (laughs) Gandalf, whatever his name is, Ian McKellen. I mean, it's just it was just brilliant. And it was another great celebration of the history of Doctor Who. And I think everyone even though they've aged a bit, uh, everyone in there, uh, Davidson and Baker and McCoy, all looked great and worked great and were fun throughout of it. Uh, what do you guys think? Uh, I thought this was hysterical. Uh, yeah. Oh, sorry, go on. I was say it was a blast. I was every time <laughs> Sylvester McCoy opened his mouth about being in the Hobbit, I was I was dying. <laughs> I was in the Hobbit, you know. <laughs> Is it motion picture? Yes. And he's wearing the Hobbit T-shirt. Yes. <laughs> Uh, I, I I felt it was fantastic. I thought it was absolutely marvellous from beginning to end. It was hysterical. Uh, there was tons of old... My favourite gag in it was the uh, John Barrowman's Big Secret, which was... <laughs> 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 He's actually a family man. That He's was... actually a heterosexual man married with two children. <laughs> I thought it was the funniest joke in it. But the rest, the rest of it was just was wonderful. Uh, they must all have an, a magnificent sense of humour about themselves to do that. Even you know Moffat and Co took part in it, and Russell T Davis's little cameo at the end yeah. was, was fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, and the fact that his recording was what like you know three hours or something on yeah. his own that was brilliant. Yeah. It was it was it was it was just, and I'm glad that they could be sort of self-deprecating and you know not be upset at the fact that they didn't show in the 50th anniversary but if you kind of if you kind of fudge it maybe they were in the 50th anniversary <laughs> because the five-ish doctors said that they were hiding out in the uh what in the room uh, that they're going to covered by the uh covered by the tarps they were supposed to be the statues so i thought that was just hilarious i mean they yeah. were on set on the right day I mean, they really were. So I gotta wonder if it's them underneath those shrouds. You know, I, I really do. I went and rewatched it last night, and I was watching that scene to see if it looked like you know if one of them was a bit shorter and might have been actually Sylvester <laughs> McCoy, but uh, I couldn't really tell. But it was, it, it was just brilliant. It was great. I like that Gemma Moffat was back as well. That that gag I kind of liked as well. Who? Just where she, oh, where she was. Uh, uh, David Tennant's wife. Where she's giving oh, birth. Right, yes. Yeah. And David Tennant's. I'm, I'm sure there was something I should be doing today that was a bit important. And it cuts <laughs> to her in labor. <laughs> that, was, that was funny. The, the bit with Matthew Waterhouse, the most unexpected cameo that was like the best with Adric, just showing up like, it's me. It's like, ah! <laughs> Woke Stephen Moffat up from a nightmare of Adric coming back. Oh my God. <laughs> the, the whole thing was such a joy. Um, it, it was a lot funnier than I, expe- I expected. I expected it. I was like, I saw 30 minutes as I started. I'm like, I don't watch anything for 30 minutes on my computer. I refuse. And it took me a couple of days to finally get up the nerve to watch it. And then when I did, oh my God, I'm so glad I did. So funny. So very funny. It was brilliant. Yeah, but the see- was pretty good in that too. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah if, I, if I'm not filming. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, was it Tom Baker or was it uh, is it John Culshaw? It was John Culshaw because on that really truly god awful BBC Three after party that aired straight after the day of the Doctor. Um, Peter Davidson said, I got in touch with everyone. I didn't have a single refusal, except one. And I think you can probably guess who that is. But it led to the funniest gag. Another, I said the funniest. They're all funny. It led to another funny gag in the show that the clip of Tom Baker was the clip from the five dots. Shut up. Yes. Yeah, that was was absolutely brilliant. I thought, yeah. And Peter Davidson directed this. He had, he had. And wrote it. Wow. Talk firmly yep. planted in cheek, and it was just really hilarious. If you haven't caught this, oh, you need to go see it. It's out there on, on the. I love for one final thing. I did love Colin Baker's line where he says, "My inside sources tell me we have to be here at this date." And Colin Baker says, "Is your inside source happen to have a Scottish accent to be married to your daughter?" And <laughs> <laughs> he says, I, I couldn't possibly comment. It was hysterical. <laughs> I wonder whose idea that thing truly was. Like, if Moffat's a smart guy, I could totally see him, you know, being connected with Peter, especially through David, and, and just saying, hey, tell you what, I can't include everyone in my show, but if you want to do something with everyone, go for it. Or, or somehow collaborating to help make sure everyone who couldn't be in the show felt included. On that BBC Three after party thing, which I encourage you not to watch, don't go and watch it. But on that, Peter Davison said it was all his idea. Really? Oh, okay. Yeah. He said Fantastic. he came up with it. He he put the feelers out for whether people would be interested because obviously he had to have permission from the BBC yeah. to do it. So then it became a BBC iPlayer thing, which probably gave him a bit more money. But to use all the iconography and the costumes and everything, he would have to have permission. So he's done it with the full permission of the BBC, but he said it was all his idea. That's fantastic. And the, the shirts they're wearing. I mean, mm-hmm. just, yeah, the little t- <laughs> you can go and buy those t-shirts. Yeah. That's brilliant about it. <laughs> so, so can you really use John Barrowman's CDs as legal tender in the UK? <laughs> Apparently. You, you can use John Barrowman's CDs as Kindle. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the impression I got when they were throwing them in the trash. Yeah, yeah, that was it, everything about that was brilliant. I mean, there were just so many sight gags running throughout that. It was just, it, it was glorious. But if this, uh, unless we've got anything else, this will lead us up to discussion about uh, the actual show, Day of the Doctor. Now, um, we might as well go ahead and say we're gonna have spoilers throughout this. So if for some really? silly reason you haven't seen it yet go out and see it but uh what do you guys think initially we'll go ahead and start off with the plot of it uh what do you guys think about that where did the zygons go who cares <laughs> see <laughs> zygons, take me away oh first. they, they kind of just disappeared didn't they which was a shame because i like the zygons they it's turned great, into rabbits awesome. well they yeah. made the they did the peace accord and yeah. then after that Maybe they realized they liked it. <laughs> um, actually, uh, if, I, if I can derail us, which I'm good at doing anyway, Bill brought up something as well. Uh, we forgot to mention the Adventure in Time and Space, which was the uh, sort of quasi-biography about the uh, William Hartnell Doctor and more uh, a little bit more, actually, about Verity Lambert. Did anyone of you guys catch that? Yeah, oh, I watched yeah. it when it was on. Yeah, I watched it on the bus. <laughs> okay. Hey. Sounds like hey, watching I was another can. That day. <laughs> what a ringing endorsement. <laughs> hey, I had no other time to watch it. <laughs> I was traveling that day. It was the only way I was watching it before the 50th anniversary came out. So, 
I missed like the first uh, five or ten minutes of it, so I missed the whole beginning to where the where it wrapped around, you know, back back in on itself. So I caught that the second time around, um, but um, it was touching at the end when you don't know if uh, you know you know when Hartnell sees Matt Smith and like wow is this dementia kicking in? I mean, you know it was it was sad but happy at the same time. It was kind of a little bit of a tearful moment. Um, but it was nice to see all the um, um, all the background and how the show started and all the problems that they had and you know being up against the assassination of a U.S. president um, on their o- opening night, which you know nobody plans that. Well, at least one person did, or a group of persons. <laughs> but that's a totally different podcast. Not to be talk about Holy here. cow. <laughs> Conspiracy theory of JFK's assassination yeah. is a plot to stop Doctor Who from happening. Put you that... know Chris Honeywell's pissed he's not on this episode now, right? Bluebird. Oh, God. Oh. Make it I think, stop. I think the biggest thing I could add to that, and it was it was, it was was really nice. It was a classy production. Um, I watched Game of Thrones, and uh, I can't remember the actor's name now. Um, David Bradley. One, David Bradley plays Walder Frey on Game of Thrones and he is a right son of a bitch on that show and how good he was in this made me completely forget that he was a son of a bitch every time he was on screen I I couldn't look away because I haven't seen any really any behind the scenes footage of of Hatnell until you know at the credits of that and it just seemed like that was just like a really loving portrayal I I really got a lot out of that I, I enjoyed it quite a bit yeah, I, I, I agree. I thought it was lovely, especially like the ending, which, yes, was sentimental, but there was an element of it that was really nice. Apparently, Matt Smith was filmed on a green screen, so if they want to, they can, on future repeats, they can just put whoever is currently the Doctor in it. <laughs> no it, way. Yeah, really? yeah, 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 absolutely true. And another thing that I thought was interesting, some of the set of the TARDIS was the original. They got in touch with the props housing company, that used to provide him uh, stuff to the BBC in the 60s. And A, they were still in business, which shocked everybody. <laughs> and B, they, they had some of the props that were originally in the... T- you know the big brass um, things at the side of the doors, I think? They are the original ones that were in the original oh. episode that they, they just like had the to find. Things. <laughs> Love the round things. <laughs> <laughs> what do they do? I... <laughs> no idea. No idea. I, uh, as Andrew said, I just thought it was really, really well done. Um, and I think it was Bill or Chris who said the, the acting from is it David Bradley. Is that his name? Yeah. Guy who played Hartnell. So good. So touching. And, you know, that, that had, must have been a hard script for Mark Gatiss to write. Just because some of that stuff was really raw and is, was going to hurt people's feelings. You know, I mean, some of the stuff with bill hartnell was probably going to hurt some of his family's feelings or you know or, or hell maybe they gave him stories to write i don't know but because there were some rough moments of humans being humans in there and um i thought it was really good and yeah you guys like you guys said that that last moment at the tardis was wonderful now having that set reconstructed uh all i could think of was like they gotta find a way to use that in the show you know, Doctor <laughs> Who. You know, why not have a have an episode where the console room changes or something would be wonderful. Or just but, have an episode where, for whatever reason, he has to go into the original console room. Yeah, yeah. Because they've built it; it's there now. Exactly. They may as well use it, and it cost him a fair bit of money to do it. 
So yeah, go, I'm all. I would be all for seeing that, or have Capaldi go back to using that room. Oh wow, mm, that'd be a trip. Yeah. That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Well, the the War Doctor's console was kind of like it seemed like. Yeah, ah, it looked like it yeah, just pieces things. of David Tennant. It looked like. Yeah, but it had the the, the roundy things. That's true. The, the, the roundels. They're called roundels. <laughs> but uh, I, um. I love there's certain touches like I loved how like you the roundels were built on one wall but another wall it was just a drawing of them which is exactly <laughs> what it's like when you watch the old show. I loved how during the, the episode when the door kept accidentally swinging open if you watch the pilot that happens the door just keeps opening on the pilot if you watch it <laughs> randomly. Um, very very enjoyable. So great. Do, what, uh, what, was it true that uh, you know the bit that they put in where Hartnell was the only one that could turn the console on sometimes was that actual or was that just something they they added in, or does anybody even know? I'd, I'd never heard that, but I got to assume Mark Gatiss. I mean, if anyone's going to do his research, it's going to be him, the guy who wrote it. Hmm. Yeah, I thought I thought it was interesting, you know, that he that Hartnell was that much of a stickler for this has to do this, and this has to do that for his his method acting being so specific that when someone said, you know, just switch that thing and it opens up the door, and he said, no, that's not what it does. So I like that. Um. Is there are there any other of the ancillary things that we want to cover? Or are we ready to head on into the uh, episode? I'm just wondering oh. in Adventure in Space and Time, who else for, has appeared in Doctor Who? Because David Bradley and whoever was playing Verity were both in season seven at points. Hmm. Did anyone notice anyone else? Oh. Uh, Verity was in Hyde as the psychic woman. I oh, do man. know. Oh. I I heard that that the that the gentleman that played the policeman at the beginning of the show well not not the policeman the one that tells brian cox's character that he can't park there i believe some i heard it on another podcast that that was uh the gentleman that played um ian does anyone else really that's really? that's what i heard that's what i heard that I... yeah, apparently, apparently there were a couple of background cameos from people who were in the show i think caroline ford's in there somewhere i didn't oh yeah 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 and I'm then, so, like, and I'm sorry, Andrew. I cut you off. Go ahead, finish up, Andrew. No, no, I was just that's. I didn't see her myself, but I understand she is in there somewhere. During the the, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm, again, I'm sorry. I interrupted. Um, the party they had for Verity when she got the new gig. There were a bunch of companions in the audience. I saw Polly. Um, I, I I'm pretty sure I, I saw Susan. Uh, who else? Was, I think maybe even either Jean. I get. I'm gonna mix up either Vicky or or Sarah Kingdom. There were definitely a few of the companions in the audience during that party. All right. Mm. So, yeah, it probably was Ian Chesterton, because I know that Doctor Magazine said they did rope in a number of many people as they could for cameo. I think Waris Hussain's in there somewhere, mm. but I can't oh. swear to it. Cool. Okay. Well, if you guys are ready, let's go ahead and uh, talk about the actual episode. Uh, what did we think about the overall plot? The idea that uh, the the doctor actually got married to the queen of England. <laughs> yeah, with the, with the Zygon invasion. Uh, I know. thought it was funny. I, I, yeah, thought I liked it. Yeah, I'm glad that it fits in. The, Go I, on, I, said, sorry. I, I was going to say I I'm glad that they brought the Zygons back. It's a it's not a character that they've overused throughout the new version of Who. In fact, I they haven't used. I think they've they never, were mentioned. The Zygons have never once. been back since Terror of the Zygons in 1975. 
Yeah, I think that's about it. Yeah, so that's great that they pick an obscure character rather than being the Cyberman or the Daleks again uh, to be the big bad for this. And I thought it was really clever with their shape-shifting abilities that it, it worked throughout the plot. And purely coincidental, Terror of the Zygons has just come out on DVD for the first time. I'm huh. sure that was coincidence. <laughs> yes, yeah. I yes, it's exactly. Completely unplanned. Yes, but totally. Is- interesting thing about the zygons is as you said they haven't appeared since like 75 but and they've been name dropped a few times in new who they are a surprisingly endearing villain like in america when we got all of our first look at doctor who really in in the extra form like comic books and stuff zygons would show up in, in house ads like there's this great walt simonson drawing of a zygon chasing the doctor and we, we got lots of stuff with the Zygons over here. So they were pushed as if they were going to be a recurring villain, even though they never did. You know, when they did the first cla- run of classic Who action figures, the Zygon was in there. So, I mean, for us in America, the Zygons were really set up to be an important villain. So I, I've just been waiting for them to come back. To me, it's just been a no-brainer. It's like, when is this going to happen? So I was thrilled to see him back. They didn't even have to change the costume much from the classic series. Just add some spit. And yeah. um, <laughs> I thought it was really funny. It's, it, the best way to look at the Zygons was they were there for fun. They were there to just yeah. move this, uh, a, I think MacGuffin, maybe? Is that the right thing? Where they're yeah, just they there were, to they move the plot forward. Yeah. They were there to start the story off, and then yeah. subsequently they didn't really matter, as Chris there said. You go. They, they didn't matter to them. They are a distinctly memorable race. I, I remember the Zygons from being a kid, and it was one of those, it was only with the advent of the internet and stuff that you realized, wait a minute, they were only in one show? They're <laughs> like the Gorn in Star Trek. You, mm-hmm. you seem to remember yeah. being in more than they actually were but no well they're a great character design i mean they're, they're really creepy and i can imagine as a kid seeing that thing on the screen would just freak you out but uh, yeah. yeah they really were non-essential to the plot other than uh, i think the scene where the doctors come into the uh tardis locked room where they keep keeping all the weaponry and they zap everyone's minds so they can't <laughs> remember who's who so that's the only thing that 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 they're basically there for You've got two people who don't know who, who's who, so they have to negotiate the treaty rather than blowing up all of London. Well, yeah, it also I, gives us a reason to see the paintings. I mean, they, yeah. they, worked, they weaved them through, but it could have been anybody. Mm-hmm. Sorry, go yeah. ahead, Andy. I just suspect they brought the Zygons back to use the inflated 50th anniversary budget to have the new costumes, and we will <laughs> see more of them. <laughs> that's, my, that's it. Yeah, the, ultimately, they are to kickstart the plot. They're, they're mentioned throughout, but they're not the plot. They're not the important thing in it, although it was nice to see them. I did like yeah, I, the opening action beat was fantastic with Matt Smith hanging from the turret. Oh, yeah, I've loved <laughs> all of that. Since New Who came back, they've done an awful lot of action scenes with the TARDIS. My favourite up until this point is the one in The, the Runaway Bride. Absolutely. It's chasing. Oh, yeah. It's involved in a car chase, something you've never thought you would see in Doctor Who. But it was it was magnificently done, and this was just as well done. And apparently Matt Smith did a lot of those stunts himself. Yes. Just as impressive as that was uh, Clara riding her motorcycle right into the TARDIS in one shot. I think that was that was classy. One well, that's impressive. She snapped her fingers with gloves on. I know. <laughs> first, first of all, she um, snap her fingers to close the door, and yes, with gloves. And unfortunately, the behind-the-scenes special that was in the theatrical film showed you that that was actually a dude. Oh. <laughs> I know. It's like, oh, I can't unsee that. <laughs> I didn't see it. I love that it began it. with the old credits and the fixed Doctor Oho. I thought that was quite neat that they fixed that. I love that she's teaching at Cole, Coleville High School or Cole Hill. 
Full Hill. Hill. Hill, I forget the name. I love that she's got a job teaching there. And if you look at the sign outside, it says yeah. head teacher Ian Chesterton. Yep. No, he's, well, a, even, he's the even, Board of Governors? Board of Governors, yeah. yeah. Well, even the shadow of the cop on the IM Foreman Scrapyard. I mean, it's yeah. just yeah. Oh, well done. The, the opening was just magnificent. Mm-hmm. Um, do we want to talk about some of the characters in there? Some of the ones that, you know, I know we had some callbacks with uh, Lethbridge, Kate Stewart or Kate Lethbridge Stewart. But uh, I, Chris, you mentioned the uh, her daughter, I guess. Was it's she? Not a, it's no way her daughter. Okay. She calls her ma'am. Ma'am. M-A-A-M. You know, yes. I made the same mistake on the same viewing. When she hands her her phone, she says mom or mom, whatever. Yeah. And it sounds like she says mom. So for the first viewing, I thought she was her daughter. Do- Osgood was her daughter as well. Really? Until it- she calls her Kate when she's yeah. taking yeah. the thing off. That that went. Oh right. No, okay, it's yeah. just a it's Same just problem. a term of chain of command thing, ma'am. Okay. Is all it was. Yeah. I, I didn't get my only complaint with her. Um, in previous iterations of Doctor Who, they would have killed her, and Moffat seems to not have the nerve to kill off any characters. I and I honestly thought. Killed. I didn't. I honestly thought that killing her would have been really brave because they'd made such a good job of making her so likable so quickly. To actually kill her off would have been like traditional Doctor Who, but they didn't, so she's still around. Osgood or Kate? Uh, Osgood, not Kate. No, no, we've got to have a Lethbridge Stewart. Oh, okay. Okay. (laughs) Uh, There's a lot of fan theory running around about who she actually is, but table that for another time I, she's the fangirl the doctor will save me she's wearing scarves yes. i mean there was no way they were gonna kill her yeah i heard that there was a character previously called osgood in earlier who that i don't remember mm. that's that's all i've heard i don't know but who knows um but to answer your, your question, Sean, about the plot, um, I thought the plot was great. You know, I was actually really surprised to see the Time War come back because I, I really thought they closed the door on it. I thought, well, this is done. You know, the Time War's done. You know, the, Russell T. Davies finished it up. I didn't think we were going to see any more with it. I was very surprised. Uh, I thought the introduction of John Hurt as a new Doctor, uh, as far as the plot goes, was a brilliant idea. You know, and I don't know whether that came about after they couldn't get Christopher Eccleston or not. I have no idea. But... Uh, I think it was really well done. It really gave you a touch of, even though he's never been in the classic series, he represented the classic series really well. Oh yeah. And he just, I, I, halfway through the thing, I just accepted that he was a classic doctor. Uh, it was really <laughs> strange. And I think he, he did a really good job with the plot. The, the ending was fun, super fun at the end when everyone came flying in there, all 12, 13 doctors. Oh, yeah. And yeah. then, um, and uh, the, the fact that it's guided us on a direction now where Matt Smith, or at least I should say the Doctor, is going to go find Gallifrey. You know, it's given us a new direction, so we now know the setup, the season-long arc, or season two arc, like we're going to see. Uh, I thought it was really well done. I thought it was great. Good plot. Well, and that's the thing I wanted to talk about, was uh, that it in, or that I kind of mentioned in my synopsis or my overview of the special, was that it resolves the thing with the time war that the doctor was so broken up by the fact that he felt that he destroyed Gallifrey that it was him that uh, was the one who was the cause of all these deaths and it is weighed so heavily on him throughout the series but in the end he realizes that it wasn't that he was able to save them all granted it was a big you know sort of superman pocket universe type thing that you know is just you know sci-fi stuff but that's that's great 
But it doesn't contradict all that stuff happening because once the doctors leave and go back to their timeline, they completely forget the fact that they saved Gallifrey and they still believe that Gallifrey is gone. However, because uh, Matt Smith at the end met with the curator, he knows this and he remembers this and it sets us forth in the, on that path of us going forward to try and bring Gallifrey back, which I think is going to be is going to be really interesting to see what they do with that in the next couple of seasons. I always thought that Matt Smith's doctor would still remember it anyway yeah, because it's basically happening within his timeline because mm-hmm. yeah, he's was, the most recent doctor. That was my interpretation as well that Same all here. the other doctors wouldn't remember, but Smith yeah. would. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's the case. Yeah. That's great. But yeah, I want to uh, I want to talk about now I want to talk about the curator. That was <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. I'm yeah. moving directly onto that. The hair that stood works. up on my arms. I I off. I'm, so, so what moment was it? The voice or his face? It was the, the voice. Ba- it back. was the voice. Yeah, the, the minute the and I had to sit forward on the. You know, I really I was... thought you might. Yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I sat on the edge of my seat. Literally, Michael took a picture of me because he was too busy laughing at me and put it on Facebook. <laughs> and I I literally I just I just went. It's Tom. And Angela's like, how the hell do you know that's Tom Baker? He's just walked on. It's Tom! And (laughs) I sat on the edge of my seat then for the rest of the episode because it was Tom. A little bit older, a little bit greyer, but, you know, they've still got those blue eyes, those childlike magic blue eyes, and he still sounds like Tom. Oh, yeah. And it was just lovely to see him. Colin Baker has apparently bitched about the fact that Mm. Tom was involved and what? he and Sylvester and Peter weren't. Yeah, apparently he's been running off at the mouth about this recently. Yeah. But That's, I don't think, I honestly don't think anyone else would have had that impact. I really don't. Correct. It's it's the majority of people who are now watching this with their children are people who grew up with Tom Baker. And it's the same reason that Sarah Jane had the impact that she had in School Reunion. Mm-hmm. It's the tying it into the two age groups that are now watching it. The parents who are watching it with their children who watched it when they were children, I reckon a good 80% of them are probably Tom Baker e-reviewers. And it wouldn't have had the impact without anyone else. I mean, as a whole, the whole thing just reminded me of Skyfall, the James Bond film from last year. It It's even structured the same when you know that at the end of Skyfall, ah. Bond, Bond goes home, doesn't he? He goes back to Scotland to his ancestral home. And the, uh, the, the guardsman is still there, an elderly Scottish gentleman. And when you know that that was supposed to be Sean Connery playing that part, and then they did this in Doctor Who, the two of them just seem very similar. There's lots of nods to the past, the Aston Martin and lots of pictures of old companions and stuff, but it's very pointed towards the future. And despite the fact that both of them really position themselves to be in exactly the same status quo they've been in for the past 50 years the fact that they managed to do this in a way that seemed spanky and new and shiny is remarkable testament to the people who are involved in both of them i don't think either james bond or doctor who have ever been more popular and largely that's because of the 50th anniversary episodes that they did Agreed. I'm, yeah. I'm just killed the show. No, you're yeah, just, you're just, just like really eloquent and stuff. We're not used to having that on this show. Yeah. Well, normally we don't get to talk, do we? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Can I take something? Um, did anyone see a kind of look of sadness on Tom Baker's face as he was walking away? 
I saw sadness in Tom all the way through it because he is one of those actors. I mean, I think all actors who are, are, are familiar or known for one particular part go through this. After they've done it, they try to dis disassociate themselves from it completely. Every single one of them. Christopher Reeve, Sean Connery, Christopher Eccleston, Tom Baker, every one of them. And then they get to the point where they make their peace with it either because they've had a successful career afterwards and now they can look back on it with fondness or maybe they didn't have as successful a career afterwards but hey it's better to be remembered for something than nothing and i think baker is now at the point and he said as much that those seven years were the best years of his life mm -hmm. and i think agreeing to do that cameo was his final thank you to everyone because the guy's in his 80s so yeah. it's sad to say he's not going to be around forever but he isn't but and I think he's fine. He's made his peace with it. He's accepted it. And again, on that crappy BBC Three thing, there was a little interview with Tom Baker where he did nothing but say, well, actually, I am still the Doctor on Big Finish. And he just kept plugging the Big Finish audios. Good for him. <laughs> yeah. yeah for he's still on him and he's still young and vibrant and um, they asked him how he was and he, he answered the question with I'm radiant darling when they asked him how he was <laughs> <laughs> well he's uh, not a healthy man uh, he from what I understand he has really bad arthritis and he has what they say are good days and bad days and uh, so the fact that he's able to get there and do that and it's just phenomenal I oh, so good I, I love you know I, I was on another show where there was a big debate about you know is he really the doctor? Is he a future version of the doctor? Blah blah. blah. Who cares? Yeah, you know, it's, 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 it's the same thing. It, it doesn't, doesn't matter either way. Matter yeah, they're ne they're never going to catch up with it. They're never going to tell us whether he is or not. All that mattered was that Tom Baker was there in Doctor Who, and, and uh, Matt, it's Matt Smith's expression that yes. did it. My only, only minor, really, really minor complaint is Tennant couldn't have been there as well. Because could you have imagined Tennant? glee of mm -hmm. working with Tom Baker. Well, oh. I'm sure he was there. I mean, it was all filmed in the same day, you know, the yeah. same set. So I'm sure David in the green room was doing that. So yeah, but I see what you're saying. It would have been nice. But it's Matt's show, though, at this point. Yes, for, it for is. No, one, more, and, one more episode, at least. Yeah, and Matt's expression when he saw him was... <laughs> I <know. laughs> and I did very similar to Andrew. I actually was sitting on a couch. I was probably already leaning forward from the 12-13 TARDIS moment. And then um, I ended up on my knees, like almost slowly moving towards the television and, and telling my seven-year-old daughter, because she kept going like, Daddy, who's that? You know, just trying to hear it, <laughs> freaking out. And it didn't yeah, take till the third time that I got the I didn't realize he was telling a joke with who knows. Yeah. Because <laughs> it was so serious and I was so into it, I didn't realize till the third time he's telling a joke. And I think it was brilliant that he, he, he was the one who gave the incorporation of the two titles of the painting to, to make it to make it that wonderful thing. It's not the it's not Gallifrey stand or or what was it no more, no more. Gallifrey Falls it's Gallifrey Falls no more and it was, it's as soon as he said that wonderful. as soon as he said do you, what do you think of the title I thought of both of them and went oh he's going to put them together mm -hmm. it's, the, it's the only time because he said it mm -hmm. it was just it was just wonderful yeah it, he, he was a great now were there yeah. any other uh, cameos or easter eggs throughout the show that just really you know kind of caught you I kind of liked when Clara just went up to the picture of uh, Susan, yeah, you know, just just to have the first companion and the most recent companion both kind of together in the same shot. That was kind of nice. Mm -hmm. um, Did... I'm sorry, interrupt. Oh, sorry. The uh, that that was it. <laughs> Did I see uh, a shot of Sarah Kingdom 
yeah. photoshopped with Mike Yates? Well, I saw her on there, but I didn't know if she was with with uh, with Mike Yates. That's what I think I saw. There were a lot of little uh, yeah. cameo photos on that board with the sort of you know string connecting them and everything. So I you know I thought it was neat. Um, trying to think, I, I love the fact that Osgood had the the little Doctor Who scarf. I thought that was just incredibly cute. And it was, again, it was a nice visual callback to, I think, what a lot of people associate with Doctor Who. So it was wonderful. Anyone else? I kind of want to... Sorry, Andy. Go ahead. Go on, on, Chris. Go on. I've talked enough. Go on. Uh, I was going to say, I really liked Billy Piper in this. I I loved that she wasn't playing Rose. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, She looks a little little worse for wear, but uh, I thought (laughs) the performance was great. I think she actually did a much better performance as the sort of AI of this MacGuffin doomsday device than she did throughout, you know, most of her time as Rose. You know, but, you know, I I don't want to be negative on Billy Piper as Rose, but I thought this was great. Again, yeah, that she wasn't playing Rose. And it was nice that uh, when the War Doctor mentions, oh, thank you, Bad Wolf, and it sort of brings that little uh, hint of uh, David Tennant going Bad Wolf and Right behind him is in, right behind him is Billy Piper, but you pan away to the War Doctor and then pan back to Tenet, and she's gone. So I oh. thought that was a really no nice. Bad Wolf Girl, I could kiss you. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's gonna happen. happen. Oh, that's gonna does, happen. That was hilarious. That was cute. That was cute. That was hilarious. I really enjoyed her in the role. It, it, it made you know once at first I had a little trouble accepting it, but then very quickly I realized, oh. This makes perfect sense because if you bring Rose back, it completely derails the story for David yeah. Tennant's character. And this is brilliant, absolutely. And that bad wolf I could kiss you thing, I'm still laughing about that joke. <laughs> it, it she, also she begs, was adorable in it. It also begs the question, does perhaps the Eccleston regeneration remember somewhat seeing that girl? And is that why he goes where he goes? Goes where he goes. It's entirely possible. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Vague recollections may seep through. Yeah. yeah. Bad wolf creates itself. Oh. Yeah. No. Wow. Uh, well, question. We've, we've, oh, go on. Sorry. No, I, no, I was, was going to say, you know, the moment. Uh, is it possible that that's what was appearing to Wilfred in the... Uh, the I can't remember the name End of the of special. Time. Yes, thank you. Is it possible that's who that was? Ooh. Hmm. Taking, the form, of the, taking the form of the doctor's mother? Or just whoever she's meant to be, possibly? Well, she's meant to be the doctor's mother. Is she? That's what Russell T. Davies said in a book, apparently. Oh, okay. Well, well it's in a book. <laughs> no, I mean not in a, in a non-fiction book. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> that's but more that's reliable cool. than being on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah. I was, I what was do you think? Gonna, uh, it's it's as plausible as anything. Hmm. It would make sense just trying to together, see yeah. him. Just yeah. trying to see of him, so that they can then see of the whole thing by him regenerating into the eleventh Doctor. Uh, I was, Sorry. I was, I was only going to say we've talked about John Hurt and Tom Baker. We haven't mentioned David Tennant or Matt Smith. Uh, David Tennant wasn't <laughs> shouty. No, I, I thought Tennant was brilliant. He yeah. was still the Doctor, but he was a more subdued version because yeah. he, he is the one before the End of Time Part Two. I presume that's where all this takes place. He was a lot more subdued. I thought he was very generous. He never upstaged Smith or attempted to upstage Smith. And the pair of them were a really good double act. I love the bit where they both get the sonic screwdrivers out and Tennant just looks at Smith's. Yeah. And yeah. there's all those <laughs> loads of little moments in it where the pair of them were exceptional. 
reversing well, polarity. I thought yes, we're <laughs> both reversing the polarity. But as Shaggy said, this was Smith's show, and he dominated it throughout. And when you consider that he was up against Tom Baker and John Hurt and David Tennant, and he still <laughs> managed to be the center of attention, the, 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 he's got a, he's got some chops that boy. Mm-hmm. I hadn't thought of it that way. That's a good way to put it. It really is. Yeah, yeah apparently David Tennant and Matt Smith got along really well on set. If you watched them on Graham Norton, they seemed to be almost pals. Um, yeah, afterwards. apparently, uh, apparently uh, Matt Smith went to Stephen Moffat and only half jokingly said, "If we do a series where it's three episodes of me on my own, three episodes of Tennant on his own, and then three where we're a double act, we'll both come back and do another season." Moffat apparently said I, I don't know that they were joking if I'd have took them up on it I suspect they both would have agreed to do it oh jeez they, they were really wonderful together they reminded me a lot of Patrick Trotton and John Pertwee together because those two were just golden on screen together uh, uh, especially when you consider Pertwee and Trotton didn't get on terribly well Oh, really? I didn't know that. Oh. Three doctors. No, John Pertwee felt that Troughton had come in and was upstaging him on his own show. Mm. And uh, it, wasn't, it was only later they did actually become friends in real life. But after that, they know Pertwee. And Pertwee said when he did the five doctors, he wanted to be very careful that Peter Davison knew it was his show and he was mm. just a guest. Um, but you never got any of that here. That Smith and Tennant were... If they remake a British version of Starsky and Hutch, I want those two doing it. <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently, like, even on the set of, of Tennant's TARDIS, like, you know, Tennant actually <laughs> made the ask of, of David, like, would you like to fly the TARDIS for a while? Just to, like, <laughs> to be generous and, you know... and Because and, Tennant is standing off to the side, leaning against a railing. I mean, he is getting out of the way in that scene, you know, probably purposely. But, you know... So apparently they were very kind to each other, so which I think is fantastic. And the interaction with John Hurt were brilliant. Absolutely, oh, yeah. you know. John Hurt's, them together. John yeah, yeah. Hurt's lines were magnificent. John Hurt's, why do you have to talk like children? Mm. And I do wonder if that's going to play into why his next generation, mm. regeneration, is an older man. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, they kind of, they kind of mentioned that, that the fact that now he's he's reconciled with his past and he's really to actually grow up now and that's yeah. why Capaldi might be the next doctor so I like that idea yep. um, <laughs> just like how they teamed up against the other ones every once in a while whenever mm-hmm. one would disparage the other one the other one would join in mm-hmm. yeah when, when, when Matt See, Smith said something he said wibbly wobbly and Tennant just leans into Hurt and goes I don't know where he gets this stuff from <laughs> <laughs> Sand Shoes and Grandad yes Sand Shoes yes Chinny Shitty. They're scientific instruments, not water pistols. I love that. I love the do? fact Disassemble that he... me. I love the fact that he called them out at them. Yes. <laughs> but however, of course, when they do get to Gallifrey and they destroy the Dalek, of course, the three sonic screwdrivers. Oh, yeah, they can blow a Dalek to a Dalek to bits. The Dalek's oh, yeah, machine, yeah. though. Oh, okay. Yeah. If you, if you yeah. watch that scene closely, because now again, I've seen it three times. Um, it starts off with them all walking, and they're all the same height. But then once they're in the, the black room, John Hurt's like seven feet shorter than both of them. It's so cute. It's like, <laughs> wait a minute, he was like on a box or something in that first scene. If Doctor is small, that one is far away. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't know about that. On the, again, I, I keep referencing it because it's embedded in my brain as how truly dreadful it was. But the BBC Three after party thing, Matt Smith and John Hurt were interviewed, sat on the same couch. And John Hurt's a big man. 
he was as bigger than Matt Smith easily. It's in width and height. Hmm. But they were sitting down, though, right? Yeah, but John Hurt <laughs> dominated the set and it looked like huh. his legs were, were longer than Smith's. Weird. But I, yeah. Huh. Now, I... Uh, I know that uh, they also did this as not only as a simulcast, but they also did this as a movie as well. They released it in, I think, 3D as well. And it was playing in very limited number of places uh, with the simulcast. But then the Monday afterwards, they had a version of it that they replayed at a lot more theaters. And I know a couple of you guys went to go see that. Um, Shag and Dave, would you like to talk about that? Well, Dave, you did the simulcast on Saturday. Why don't you go first? Yeah, um, I grabbed my Jimmy Dodgers. I headed up to the cinema. <laughs> I, I had no voice, uh, basically, because I was stuck down with the cold, um, and that was kind of crap. But what made it so much better was having an entire room full of people to represent all of my cheering, laughing, and everything else that was going on. Because being in a room with that many people who want to see something. It, for the first time and knowing it's the first time is so much fun um, and I especially loved the introduction by Strax yes uh, did, you, did you get that as well <laughs> yes we did yeah so, uh, at the start before uh, before everything started we had uh, an introduction but from Strax and also from the doctors but Strax was there to tell you about proper cinema etiquette and um Yes, he, he, he does make examples of a few people who would uh, talk during the movie on their phones or use recording devices. Yes. But his favorite thing is um, exploding the small kernels of pop of corn and then eating their exploded remains. Remember, he's, popcorn can feel. He, he's convinced <laughs> the chewing noise is them screaming. Yeah. <laughs> I would pay money if Strax would come out and announce that before every movie, and especially yes. to kill people. It was adorable. Awesome. Absolutely I, I want that before every movie. I don't yes. care if people know who the hell he is. I want that. Um, we, we also got a little introduction from uh, Matt Smith, um, trying to get the 12D stuff ready, but unfortunately, uh, we, we don't have 12D yet. Very disappointing. Um, but yeah, um, it, it does work well in 3D. Um, Sight screwdrivers were flying out and chins. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> well, um, right, you got to tell him that bit. So, so David, t- yes. Matt, Matt David Smith, Ken- he's, he's not Matt Smith. He's the doctor. He's doing the introduction, and he does something with Sonic Screwdriver, and bloop, and he turns into David Tennant. Then David Tennant warns the audience and says, <laughs> you know, this is 3D. Things will be coming out at you. And he's like, you know, the other guy, his chin, I'm just saying. <laughs> and so when they click back to Matt Smith, I'm pretty sure they push the 3D even more. I mean, Matt Smith's chin is just sticking way off the screen in that little intro. It's hilarious. Yeah, and um, then they separate, and you see John Hurt in the background, and that leads you into the film. And it just that little introduction just was a perfect start to it, to get you kind of ready for it. And Are all these things going to be on the DVD, do you know? Or the Blu-ray? I hope so. I really, really hope so. Um, it's it's released tomorrow. The 3D Blu-ray is released tomorrow. I'm assuming the other formats are also out as well. Um, at least over here. I'm not sure what the release things are like over uh, with the rest of you. But I really want to see it again in 3D. Um, the, the paintings. Um, 
it's it's more of a reveal in the actual episode because you see it and it kind of looks flat because it's flat but with the 3d glasses you can see the depth of it when it's leaning into it so it, it was really kind of spectacular in that respect but yeah as i said one of the best things about it was having everyone else there cheering and laughing at all different bits and especially when uh 13 is mentioned as, as soon as they say all 13 big cheer goes up and when tom baker makes his appearance you can only hear a little bit of what's actually happening because people are cheering so um did shag did you get any of that um, yeah um rewatch essentially I, I didn't expect it to be very full. I'm thinking, okay, it's, it's first of all, it's Doctor Who in a movie theater. How well can it really do? And you know, it's also on Monday, so it's you know what, two days later. Again, how well can it really do? The damn thing was sold out. Uh, I got my tickets early, thankfully. I showed up 30 minutes before the film and still couldn't find seats. Had to sit in the third row, so my neck was sore for like two days afterwards. Um, which I'm not complaining about. It's just that was a, that was a fact. So. Um, then uh, we had the same thing the pre-show like you said now we had something over here there's a company called Fathom Entertainment or whatever which has sponsored this thing I don't know what the hell was wrong but literally it was supposed to start at 7.30 we had 30 minutes of slideshow really? waiting yeah the the audience literally was getting rowdy was getting so pissed off the film was supposed to start at 7.30 for 30 minutes we had this slideshow of just it was like your typical movie fair trivia slideshow but it was all doctor who themed so it was entertaining but i mean it was really Mm -hmm. frustrating for everyone in the audience so finally the film starts we get the fun stuff uh there were a lot of fezes in the audience i wore my 12 (laughs) foot i wore my 12 foot doctor who scarf because quite frankly there's not a lot of places in the world i can wear that without being laughed at um you know a lot of sonic screwdrivers waving in the air very respectful crowd though very very probably one of the most respectful movie theater crowds i've ever been in awesome most of the scenes were very quiet like you said you couldn't hear the tom baker scene you could hear a pin drop in my theater i mean you when he first stepped on screen i heard a whole bunch of like woo and i heard several (gasps) gasps but that was it ever after that you could hear every word um it was very respectful group really really enjoyed seeing it with everyone uh then we had at the end like a 15 20 minute making of movie i don't know if you guys got that or not it finished and that was it. Okay, yeah, we had a, like a fifteen or twenty minute making of thing narrated by Colin Baker, which was pretty decent. And um, you know, overall, it's, I took my fourteen year old son, a stepson. He had not seen it yet, so this was his first time. What an experience for him! And, and to me, this is when I realized this was a theatrical movie, not a show. That's when it all clicked for me that this was this was not just another TV show. This was something much more. Watching it on the screen, it was right to be up there it deserved to be up there and that's what really blew me away so i mean the matt smith introduction title sequence uh, it was more like a movie title sequence than anything else you know where he's Mm. where they're bringing up all of the actor names and stuff whilst he's being brought in whilst hanging from the tardis yeah that that was more film-like in my opinion but yes andrew you wanted to say something i was just gonna say according to the guardian website i was just looking it up while you were chatting it's made 10.2 million dollars worldwide for an episode apparently it was the the from someone told me it was the second largest film in the united states that week yes blew my mind and apparently it got number one in the united states that night selling more tickets than the hunger games well that night yeah that would make sense. it was a monday so yeah not a big movie going night but yeah yeah to be honest i was lucky to get tickets i i bought mine on the day they were released 
I got stuck off to the side. I had no clue what the screening was going to be like. Luckily, rear seating, so I got a perfect view, but it was at booked seats. Um, so they were kind of com- almost completely booked up. There's like eight or nine seats ready that were left. Um, the seats went on sale at 10 o'clock. I was buying mine at lunchtime at 12. So that's how quickly people had gotten the seats for that one cinema. So, wow. Yeah. Um, I, I'm wrapping up my movie thing. There's two things not on the list that we, I think we should talk about real quick, if that's okay. David, yeah. are you okay if I move on from the... Yeah, yeah. Uh, go for it. Okay. Uh, one, and you guys can chime in or not, um, Jenna Coleman is criminally gorgeous. Um, oh, yeah. it, it should be illegal how hot she is. I'm sorry. It's just a fact. Smoke show. Oh, my <laughs> God. Smoke show. It I, shouldn't I, I, be illegal. It should be compulsory. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking to a friend of mine, and it's like he said. Even his wife just was watching this special, and she goes, "Yes, we all have a crush on you, Jenna." I mean, the girl <laughs> said that. It's just wow. Um, the other thing was we actually haven't mentioned, other than referencing it, Peter Capaldi's two seconds of screen time. I mean, yeah. holy oh, Peter, shit! Peter Capaldi's eyebrows, two seconds of screen time, basically. That was, but that was some intense eyebrow action. That was that Dude. was wonderful. That and the Tom Baker thing were the two moments in the thing yeah. where I screamed the most. Yeah, I, I, I attempted to. It wasn't happening, but I tried. <laughs> I, I was just sort of in shock. I was like, oh, they showed him. Let me I, know. I like the fact up. that they didn't show that much of him. They showed as much as they could without giving too much away. You couldn't see much of the TARDIS. You saw a lever and yeah. some of the background, and you saw his eyes. For all we know, he has a big, massive beard. Probably not, but it's entirely possible. <laughs> it's possible. He could have gone back to the John Hurt style. Yeah. Ah, oh, that was just so exciting. So exciting. I don't. It, 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 it's illogical that I'm this excited about those two seconds, but I'm really, really, really yeah. excited about those two seconds. No, I think. Yeah, it's I lo- just... Go ahead, Chris. Sorry. I, I love Matt Smith, but I am so dying to see an older Doctor. Mm-hmm. That sounds dirty. <laughs> <laughs> well. I, I do think, you know, that we said uh, previously in the show that it, it'd be nice to see them sort of cycle around and have, you know, it started off with an older doctor. It may be coming around full circle that the, the last or the 12th or the 12th reincarnation of the doctor is going to be or the 12th regeneration of the doctor is going to be an older person as well. And it also fits in with the idea that the doctor is now growing up, that he's that he's resolved the problems he's you know he's come to terms with what he's done and now he's ready to just be who he is so i i like that idea but do we have anything else that we really want to talk with to talk about uh for the show Uh, only for going into the future we know obviously i think that the seasonal arc is going to be the doctor looking for gallifrey what do you think of all the rumor that capaldi's only doing one series See, I haven't heard, heard anything, anything about like that. that. Right, I heard, I, I heard this straight after he was cast, and I instantly thought, well, actually, that makes sense because it means if Moffat leaves next year as well, because he will have done the same time as T as Russell T Davis, he will have done the same as Davis. He will have done three series and a couple of specials with one Doctor, and then one series with another Doctor. And I thought, well, that's kind of symmetrical. That kind of works. And then I did get to thinking that if he finds Gallifrey, and as Chris said earlier on, he's rewarded with a new regeneration cycle, and they force a regeneration on him to kick this new cycle off, that will explain why he's only Capaldi for a year. And I, it all just started working for me. Initially, I was like, no, not again. 
And then I thought, actually, it, all, it does all work well. But as long as they sign the next guy for at least five years. <laughs> See, I had, I had heard, and I don't maybe it's sort of the sounds like it's the same rumor but slightly different. I had heard he was signed on for two years, but only fourteen episodes. Yeah, so that this was another thing I'd heard. Yeah, that it's one series, but again they're going to split it, which just Ugh. pisses me off no end. Right. Maybe the years are two thousand and thirteen and two thousand and fourteen. <laughs> Possibly. You think his eyebrows counted as his first season? Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it's one season, so possibly yeah. Christmas special as well. Yeah, I don't I, know. I, I'm, I'm assuming that's that has I'd, him in it. I'd rather but, see him in 2014 and 2015, even if it's just going to be 14 episodes spread across, which does piss me off as well. I'd rather have 14 yeah. a year, but I'd rather at least he be around long enough. So if they spread yeah. it across two years, that's fine. You know, yeah. I, just, I don't well, want it, it to be another. I, I got some real anger at Christopher Eccleston right now for not being in this special, so I'd rather not just have a one-year Doctor. Uh, I'm not angry with Chris Eccleston. Uh-huh. I mean, he's well known for only doing a year and then go in, and he never goes back to anything. I can't help but think how much better this would have been. No disrespect to John Hurt, who was brilliant. I can't help but think how much better it would have been had it been the new, the three new Doctors in it. Yeah, but it didn't ruin it, and it it doesn't affect no. my enjoyment of it. But just listening, I can hear Eccleston delivering those lines, and I yeah. do. I would love to know how much the script changed when Eccleston said he wasn't involved, or if Moffat always had this trapdoor. Well, I'm I'm pissed at Eccleston now. Like uh, he he wants to be. He wants to move on, doesn't want to look back. So you know what? Right now, I'm, I'm. Everyone else came back. Even friggin' Tom Baker came back for this man. <laughs> so you know what? Fine, Eccleston. I will move on. I will not look back. I will not watch your episodes ever again. He at least I, sat I, down I, with them. He, yeah. he, they did talk to him, and they decided. Supposedly. Yeah, but they decided that um, he didn't if want all, to do it. Even if he'd only come back for a proper regeneration scene. Right. I could have lived with that. Anything. No, just, he's he's been a d bag about it. I'm sorry. He 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 shouldn't have signed up for something that has such a huge history if he was going to walk away from it completely. I'm angry. Sorry, I'm an angry fan. <laughs> no problem. Uh, Bill, you had something you wanted to mention. Yeah, the other day I was thinking about the Christmas special, and they keep mentioning the name uh, of the planet uh, that he's going to go to, which is Trenzalore or something along those Trenzalore. lines. I don't want to Trenzalore. go. Trenzalore. Right, but is that? Do you think Trenzalore? I, I I was trying to figure out if it was some type of anagram for something. You know, like mm-hmm. they. But I I haven't sat down and spelled it out to see if it, if it comes up with anything, because I guess you know because that's where the Doctor's um, tomb is is on Trenzalore. Yeah. So, so that's apparently where the fall of the Eleventh happens. Yeah. So that that was really all, all I had on that, and I mean I I think that kind of comes back around to. Um, I think Sean, we wanted you want to talk about on how the, how this wrapped up wrapped up uh, the two runs and, and and where the show's going afterward. Which yeah. I think we're already kind of in that. So yeah, um, go ahead if you've got an, if you've got an opinion on that, Bill. Well, it it was nice that we finally figured out why Queen Elizabeth had a uh, such a issue <laughs> with with David Tennant. <laughs> yeah. Or but then was she just faking that? Because she does make him the the, uh, the curator of the undergallery, so that was she, a little she might confusing. have done that before she got properly annoyed at him. Because <laughs> no, that, that's true. There's a lot of time passing there, and she is very young when she's writing that letter. Mm. 
That's true. So well, I yeah. Uh oh, uh oh. So somebody's got a link. <laughs> Andy has a link about Trenzalore. So well, let's not derail the show with the link. Yeah, let's just, go. Just, <laughs> okay. Anyone else want to go audience. about their their final opinions of you know where the show is leading and what you know what we're looking forward to? I, I, like I think. Oh. Go no, go ahead, sorry, I, I just think that the burr bones are in place for Peter Capaldi to be looking for Gallifrey now that he knows it's there. If the rumors are true that he's only sticking around for 14 episodes, I think it's safe to assume at the end of this he is going to get a regeneration cycle. I don't think they won't just mention it. I mean, I know the general audience probably isn't interested and doesn't care, but in a lot of play has been made of the regeneration limit outside of the show, even if the show's not really specifically mentioned it. Matt Smith was asked about it in a culture show documentary about the show just last week. He was specifically asked by the host of that show, what's the regeneration limit? And he put forth his theory of the two ways the show could go. So it is known even though the show's not broached it. And I think Moffat's too much of a continuity fanboy to not abro- approach it in some way. But that would certainly tie in with my idea, if this rumour's true, that Capaldi's only doing one year. Well, the 11th right. Doctor, uh, when he was introducing the special, did say he had just come from the 100th anniversary special with all 57 Doctors. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's any question that the regeneration cycle is going to get restarted somehow. I think everyone just... They know it's a TV show. They're not just going to end and go, well, the plot ran out. Sorry. Um, so I think everyone behind the show knows full well it's going to keep going. The question really comes down, as you said, Andy, is whether they play this 13 thing up. Now, I read an article recently, which I think is a bunch of crap, but it was basically saying that one of the storylines for the, the Christmas special was that he's already regenerated 12 times, which would be because David Tennant regenerated or started to regenerate halfway through his sh- his, his run. Which so I that, still think was supposed to be tenant's regeneration in his original contract. Could have been. And he uh, extended that contract by a year. So I think that should have been tenant's regeneration. But yeah, go on. Well, the, the thought was that Matt Smith is, in fact, the 13th body because David Tennant's regenerated once already, you know, halfway through. So they, they've already seen 12 regenerations. So David, so Matt Smith's in his last body, and that's what Trenzalore is going to be about. And somehow he ends up regenerating anyway, and you get Peter Capaldi. Die yard. <laughs> I don't know. What, or it could be the Sisterhood of Karn. I mean, you think about it. They introduced him in the mini episode as a throwaway. Well, maybe it wasn't as throwaway as we think. That's so do you think we'll see the crispy bacon, almost master type uh, Matt Smith doctor? Oh. <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome? I don't know. Just more Clara, please. More Clara, please. So, final thoughts, is this, are we, uh, did, did, was this perhaps the best way that we could celebrate the, the 50th anniversary of the Doctor? Short of having access to a real-time machine, yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much. I completely agree. Yeah. Well, guys, thank you for coming on the show. Again, it was great talking about this. I am so looking forward to Doctor Who in the next year. I'm looking forward to the Christmas special. It's coming up here soon. Uh, and we will check you all out again on another episode of Who True Freaks next time. So until then, goodbye, everyone. Bye. Alon Z. Geronimo. <laughs> Go uh, forward in for all God your beliefs. Sake. For <laughs> God's sake, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. <laughs>
tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf. And you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy. And there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, 2TrueFreaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the 2TrueFreaks at the same time. Welcome to Amazon. I love you. Visit our brand new website at 2TrueFreaks.com. 2TrueFreaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. Join our forum at ForumForGeeks.com, where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find 2TrueFreaks on Facebook. Just search for 2TrueFreaks. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook, too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook, too, if you can find me. Now available, Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two, Two True, True Freaks. Freaks. finally invited aboard one of these spacecraft, which landed near Ann Arbor, Michigan on October the 24th of 1954. This is a drawing of the craft. As I was leaving the craft, the commander, Soltek, said, soon others of your people will be able to have an experience similar to this.